It's just past 18 hours, 31 minutes East African time. Time for John Sibi Okumu on Wednesday. Hamjambo nakaribuni. Hello and welcome. Brace yourselves for a longish introduction, good people. Perhaps it's my excuse for not knowing that much about the topic at hand. As a country, we are welcoming a new dawn full of hope and expectation for all that, one that has manifest challenges, not least of which is the state of business activity. Yet it's good to know that we are not alone. Let me read you from a foreign publication, and you can have some fun guessing the country in question. And I read... For months, country A has skidded toward a recession and a humanitarian crisis triggered by soaring energy bills. Since Leader B announced he would leave office in July, the outlook for growth has weakened. Annual inflation is running above 10% for the first time in 40 years as food and fuel prices leap. Frustration over the rising cost of living has compelled hundreds of thousands of workers to go on strike. The national currency hit its lowest level against the US dollar in more than two years. It's just one blow after the other, said Mr. C, who heads up the country's federation of small businesses. I'm afraid I can't find any good news. Whoever takes over power is expected to jumpstart the economy by slashing taxes. But many economists fear this approach would not work for the best because it would only benefit those who already have money. The benefits of cutting taxes would largely flow to the people who pay more tax, who are generally the rich, said Mr. D, senior economist at the XYZ Foundation. End of reading. Unlike me, our mystery guest does know lots about all things business and industry for that matter. I'd like her to listen to some answers to this question which we put to some in the know. What needs to be done to revive our economy? Jay, ni nini kinapaswa kufanywa ili tufufue uchumi wetu? I could urge the government that uh, they stop borrowing, we work with what we collect. Chakula imeenda juu. So, mwananji wakawaitu anapitia katika changamoto tofauti. Ajua tu chumi itaendelea kuwa juu, na tumezoea hiyo live. So, itakuwa tu hivyo. Venye watataka ndivyo tutaishi. Pande wa mafuta, tunaona pia mafuta inaleta changamoto kwa sababu. Mafuta ndiyo imepepa ekonomi yote. From taxes, I could urge them, they stop some projects that are not necessary. Wanunulia wa farmers, enough fertilizer. We want to encourage encourage people to pay tax to expect serikali iendelee kufanya infrastructure development iendelee kuopen up inchi kwa kutengeneza barabara mafuta sasa iko juu sana for example wenye wanafanya kazi ya boda ukiongezea bei customer anasema and so inabidi we mwenyewe unafinyilika hivyo mwenzangu if i may could i first ask you to respond to what you've just heard in those answers i've had very interesting suggestions and um, issues from the props. And those are issues that we've been dealing with every day. Not only as Kenya, but around the world, there are issues of about high food prices. And this is not just affecting Kenya. It's also affecting the rest of the world. And if you look at inflation rates uh, in many countries, it's very high, double digits. We're actually still at single digit, about 8.9% um, in August this year, but it's going up. And because of the, some of the things that have been mentioned, high fuel prices because of the Ukraine-Russia war, there's drought. Uh, Kenya is going th- and the Horn of Africa is experiencing the worst drought in 40 years. So we've not had sufficient rains. Fertilizer prices are high, so farmers have not been able to plant as before. Again, um, when we go back to the Russia-Ukraine war. And so that has really affected how how we're looking at the economy and the things that are, are facing their what would call kawaida mwanainchi. I've also had 
um, some suggestion that borrowing should be stopped. And you know what? I think it's agreeing on um, what are we talking about borrowing here? Are we borrowing for food? Are we borrowing to invest? And I guess um, if you're borrowing to consume, like any household, if borrowing is only for consumption, then yes, it doesn't make any sense. But if you're borrowing to invest so that we can have more, then it's good borrowing. Maybe the question is to ask, how are we utilizing that borrowing? What is it for? And what's the cost of the borrowing and how are we spending it? So if a kilometer of road is a, a billion Kenya shillings, should that be the cost? Or can we get it the same quality at a lower price? So that's what we should be talking about borrowing than saying, let's just stop, in my view. Thank you. Well, um, I'll tell you one thing. I started off by admitting that I'm not one of the cognoscenti on this particular topic, but I, I will speak for the lay person and start off by saying to you, Mwenzangu, that the mystery country of which I spoke was the United Kingdom. And we were talking the United Kingdom with latterly a new Prime Minister in Liz Trust, Trust rather. I ask myself the simple question. We're going to break down all those terms that you've used, borrowing. Let us try to explain the state of the business environment to my relations in the village who perhaps will suffer most for the consequences of a failed economy. Mm. And my question to you is that if it's so bad for the United Kingdom, often reviled as our colonial masters, what are we to do in the tropics to fare much better? That's true. I mean, let's listen and seeing what's happening in the UK with the inflation rate of about 10% or more. And then looking at the effects of COVID and that no country was spared by COVID. And are we going to feel these effects for a long time? So what the Kawaida Mwananchi is feeling um, has a lot to do with both internal and external. And so that's affecting business from the external point with COVID, global supply chains closed down. So you can imagine the cost of food, the cost of raw materials, the cost of everything went so high as we tried to figure out alternatives and all that. And then loss of lives and lives and livelihoods. And again, that has had a, a major, major effect. So what do we need to do as a country and as to revive the economy? One is to say what we need to go back and say, what are those areas that were hard hit by COVID? You know, the small businesses and say, what do we need? We have to figure out. Okay, I, the I take you entirely, but unless yeah. uh, I, I'm, I'm afraid I'm not going to allow you to 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 present uh, a lecture which you've given on a thousand forums before. <laughs> now, what I am going to invite yeah. you to say, maybe as a way to proceed, yeah. is to say, take it one by one. Yeah. Now. Let's start off, and I'm, I'm sure that the, the, the papers, university mm. papers written on these topics, one of the things, let's just go one by one, one of the things that is a big deal, now, and then we're going to go nicely, we can see the end before we get at the beginning, we're going to ask, we've got a new government, if you were the minister for business, what would you say? But let's go slowly. Minnanja. Tell me what business is going to do for me. It's true. Food prices are high. And as I say, they're not high only in Kenya. So first, I think once we have that understanding, it helps. But secondly, yes, we have to do something about it. And the best thing to do right now is to remove some of the taxes that can be shelved that affect food prices. We've done well on trying to have a subsidy on fuel, which is a direct cost to food. But we can do a little more. But we've done well by sort of uh, reducing the price of unga like a day before the election. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've heard all that. Back. Yeah, and things are still bad for me. I'm not singing in the rain. And, and it's true. I think first we have to understand that it's a problem that is here and can't turn overnight. Anyone who's telling you that um, food prices will change tomorrow is not telling you the truth. 
the person who is telling you these are the measures I'm going to take so that the next few months become better, then maybe that's a person we should be talking closely to. Wenzangu, may I take you to, again, a Mwanainchi perspective? When we had the manifestos of the various parties before the elections, every single banner declaration Mm -hmm. was they were going to revive the economy, they were going to revive business, that the thing for Kenya to do now is to become an industrialized country. Mm-hmm. And since we're just having a friendly conversation, yeah. I'll tell you about the, the mythological thing about mm. the, the tigers. There are some countries like, so we were always told, I think I was at school, where people telling, telling us the about the Asian tigers, tigers, the Asian tigers, <laughs> yeah. Singapore, an yeah. island nation. So we failed to crack it, yeah. Before COVID, before drought, before inflation, and you're telling me that we're going to crack it now. 60 years on, we hadn't cracked it. I think we've cracked some. I think sometimes I think we've, we, we, we say we've not done, but if you look at it from 60 years ago or 20 years ago, things are not the same. New problems keep arising, but we still have perennial problems. And maybe that's what we need to keep doing, differentiating what are the new problems, what are the perennial problems. Kenya and most of Africa, unfortunately, thought it would take the Asian tiger models. It's not. Our economic models are becoming more and more the South American model of the 80s and the 90s, the Colombias and the Mexico. Explain. Because of the way we are organized in our politics, we are not, uh, we don't work, we, we don't bring resources together and then save and then invest. What we, do we do? What we do is we Kama get... Africa. Kama Africa. Mm. Tunakula ya leo, mm. tunagoja ya kesho. Okay. And then the, the way... We, live for the moment. It's we meant live to be for wise the moment. in some philosophical circles. Yeah. Live for the day, we but not for good the for the economy. Not good for the economy. So we're not, we're not a saving culture like the Asian tigers. So we're not going to take their model for I'm sure. listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we are, going, we are taking more, the way we are developing, even if you look at how our towns and our cities are developing, it's a very Southern American model. We are grateful as a country, Kenya, we've not gone through the coups of some of those countries, but we've also had um, leaders, some of the leaders that are very similar. You know, you get into some of the bad business practices and you, you, you push yourself to get some political power because that's how you protect yourself. It's a very South Afri- American model, unlike the Asian tiger model. Okay, I'm going to, again, uh, uh, you, you stay with your Harvard business degree if you have one. <laughs> I'm saying no, that the idea, of, yeah. the idea of discipline yeah. in our culture and yeah. values. Mm-hmm. Lee Kuan Yew, apparently if you go to, if you go to Singapore, you can't um, chuck some chewing gum onto the ground. You can't do that because you're whatever. Uh, we don't have that discipline. We don't have the discipline. We don't have the political structure for it. We are democracy. Lee Kuan Yew was not a democracy. Okay. So many times when I hear people saying, why can't you be like Rwanda or Singapore? Then can we change then our constitution to reflect that? We are not. We are democracy. So we don't, we, if you, today I say no gums on the streets, tomorrow, John, you'll take me to court and say, I, do, I don't think it's the right thing. Gums should be included in the streets. Or you decide, okay, I'll give you two years. We'll go to elections and I'll remove you. That's okay. not what Singapore had. Uh, or, yeah. So uh, as a fellow thinker, you're not thinking that um, there should be African solutions to African problems? There are African solutions. You're telling us South America, we can't be this. We have taken a model ourselves Mm. to that direction. Yes. My view is that we need to find our own model. You know, so we everybody who comes onto this program says, says we need to ooh, find, and I'm going to, but say nobody how. has the okay. Oh gosh, yeah, this I'm is a say okay. how do do because the first thing is to say what are our cultures. Remember, all processes are very based on culture, but we tend to think we want to be like Singapore, but do we have the culture of Singapore. We want to be like the UK. Do we have the culture? What is our African culture? How are we organized? We are people who really came together and thought through things as a community and decided where we were going, we need to go back to that. And I would say it is not hard because sometimes you, you'll see people saying during elections, let's go meet the elders. We only see to, to meet these elders when we are running for politics, but not what we need, 
how we are developing the country. We tend to pick other models out there instead of our own. Who are we as Africans? What have we lost over the time? What can we regain? You know, and take those things back. So for me, it's a back to history moment before we pick other good lessons that we can infuse in us. Because that's what the Asian Tigers did. They knew who they were in terms of culture and as a people. And so when they picked other things that were Western, they infused, they didn't throw out what they are. What is zero, what is it we tend to do? And so we are grappling, you know. So we are moving ahead and we've made good strides, but we keep grappling because we're trying to pick this. Then we realize, hmm, that doesn't work. We pick this and this doesn't work. Can we just say we are Africans? And so who are we? What are our cultures about? And then begin that as a foundation. And so if there's something good from the Asia, we can infuse it. If there's something good from the West, we can infuse it. If there's something good from the Southern American. And you can see, Southern, when I say we've taken that model, they, they grappled a lot into many things. And then now they have found a model. So they're growing, and, but they had to go, to go that. But going back to the food, and you really asked me that question about the, the, the food question with the Mwanainchi. The first thing I would say, and someone said that in the prop about the fertilizer. Let's just give as much fertilizer. Let's cut down on some of the things. We need to slow down some of the projects that are mega and that can be completed another time so that we put the fertilizers and the food. I think that that, that would be better than any other. Well, I'm listening to you, but you know there's always the obligation to stop uh, and this is one such. Yeah. We'll be back. Mwenzangu, I liked the idea, and I'm going to stick with it, this idea of the sustenance of culture. And again, when I turn to Facebook or YouTube, there are people sticking up pictures saying, look at this picture with bright lights and skyscrapers. And they say, they ask the friends, would we imagine where this is? This is not Singapore. This is not Dubai. Mm. This is Nairobi, Nairobi. Kenya. Mm. And... That disturbs me in a way because if our index of success is fancy expressways and the highest building in Africa, how does that reflect? And I we keep on returning to the business community of the person who the statistic is the average Kenyan lives on less than $2 a day if indeed they can find the $2. Two dollars, two hundred Kenya shillings. There's a, there's a juxtaposition there which is disturbing. Yeah. You know, I don't have a problem with the skyscrapers, the highways, because what does the Kaida Monaichi need? The Monaichi needs jobs. The Monaichi needs food. And so, as I said, as as you build your base from a, a culture this is what you borrow and pick and then there's you've got to also realize where the world is going the world has come from agrarian to industrialization and now we're in the tech revolution you know tech revolution and each of those have affected how the world is organized and what business will look for if they're going to invest so if you don't have your roads and there's no efficient trans, um, uh, infrastructure. Business won't come. And so your Koeda Mwanainchi will not get that job. You know, so that's a big one. So the skyscrapers are, do we have a place I can go and put my business? If this is how we operate, this is what we look for as investors, as foreign investors. So those things are important in that aspect. You know, they're not just because they look good. That is one good thing because they look good, yes. But what do they serve? And so what, we, what we've been seeing with Nairobi is the attraction to investments. A lot of investors who base their capital in, in South Africa and in other parts of Africa and put their capitals of their, of their businesses there are moving to Nairobi. Why are they moving to Nairobi? Because they're creating that infrastructure that is attractive for them. And that comes the jobs. That comes the goods. That comes the services that will grow this economy. Kenya today is a lower middle income economy. Our aspiration right now is to at least get to a middle um, uh, uh, economy. If you would, I, I yeah. would, again, I want to draw you on this idea of middle income, mm -hmm. all these terminologies that mm -hmm. are external to mm -hmm. our own existence. Mm -hmm. What we see mm -hmm. in Kenya mm -hmm. is, let's go back into sort of 
Ngugiwa Thiongo-esque territory mm -hmm. and talk about a huge divide between the haves and the have-nots. Yeah. And again, you're a representative of the business community. Yeah. We still live in an economy yeah. where somebody would presume that it's enough for somebody to live and work for, let's say, 7,000 shillings a month mm -hmm. and be at their beck and call every single day of the week from dusk till dawn, serving them hand and foot, doing the dishes, doing mm. the cleaning. Mm. I'm getting to this idea of mm. will our business community, will our economy be mm. able to sustain the idea of a minimum wage? So the, that's a very good question on the issue of the, the haves and have-nots. And we've seen as development has taken place, that gap has widened. Exactly. And you know the problem is exactly. You know why? I'm, I'm intrigued. Because while that was happening, we forgot sometimes what the role of government is, and the role of government is to provide certain things that can be supplemented by business, but it's not the core mandate of the business, like public transportation. This country has no public transportation. When I hear people saying this public transportation, matatus, matatus are private. Media Owners of Association is my member. When Zangu, let's go back to the Kenyan history which we remember. Yes. When we had, people will tell you, yeah. going down memory lane, yes. the days when people got down with bowsers and cleaned the street. It is we, uh, African Solutions, who gave the, who was it? I mean, let's not know. Who was the governor of the Central Bank that said things like people could be in government and run their own businesses? Yeah. So we have brought our doom upon ourselves. Yeah. But let's forget the past. Forget Maybe the past. this is a good segue for mm -hmm. me to say we do have, we like do. our friends and relatives in the UK, mm -hmm. we do have a new government. Yes. So maybe, again, it's a, it's a, maybe we're not making sense to everybody else, but yeah. I'm going to ask you, yeah. uh, what is our expectation of our new government? So the expectations is, first and foremost, we have to close that gap. Because if no matter what we do, if we don't start closing that gaps of the haves and have-nots, we cannot, even as business, and I'll tell you why, and what we are calling it from private I, I sector. I must put in again, just, just yeah. to ruin your flow of thought again, because business has is aligned to the idea of profit. That's a good old, you know, dialectical but, materialism. That's, uh, the that's an old uh, the, look yeah, to business. Yeah, but basically, business basically is actually triple. <laughs> it's actually profit. Some people making lots of money and Social. getting richer and becoming billionaires and zooming around in helicopters while the rest of us are starving. You know what we call that in, in real business? No, I don't. Tenderpreneuring. That's not business. Business focuses on three aspects. Profit, which is what economic, which is profit, because you need to survive and grow. Otherwise, then what are you doing in business? Because then you'll die tomorrow. The second one is social. How are you, what are you what 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 are you what are your effect in the community and the place you serve? You know, and how are the people around you benefiting? If you're not going to transform where you operate from, then you have no business operating in that area. The third one is environment. So if you're going to kill the environment with cutting up trees with emissions and all that, then you're not in business. That what we call, in Kenya, we call it tenderpreneuring. But out, out there, we're just talking about people, that's just, just greed. It's not business ethics. But business that has survived, if you look at all businesses that have survived generations, they focus on those three areas. That's why they have survived, because they know they need those aspects. The profit side is because you have to keep growing and, and you create revenue for government. And, and, and profits to survive. The social side is because you can't operate alone. If people around you, lives are not being improved, you do not even get employees. If you're killing the environment, then there's nothing to operate within. You know, and that's why you're hearing a big chunk with all this COP26, COP27. Let's, you know, let's rethink because we have messed the environment, but who really messed the environment? And that's why everyone else is coming. 80% of the of the damage of by climate change is by 20 countries 20 countries in the world but then we can't wait and say they're the problem we have to do our part to make sure we don't cause the same problem that they did in the years they operated especially during the industrial revolution but let me go back to the issue of social transformation 
and why for me even as we look at the new government who've engaged with, during with their man- manifestos everybody engaged with their we manifestos we did engage with their manifestos and we were going we to have we're going to have hyena claws and <laughs> Uh, you know, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we um, di- we you, wrote you, our you own can, you manifesto. You can sense the tinge of cynicism in my voice, <laughs> even, t- as, I even as I try to. But we wrote our own siph- manifesto, our own economic manifesto, and yes. we engaged them with it. And one of the key areas we did was social transformation to say, if you want me to be able to employ a hundred people, you know why I employ thirty? Because I can't deal with the labor costs, and you know why? It is not the problem of John who needs to work in my company that. John is asking for 10,000 shillings instead of 5,000 shillings, just throwing a figure out there. But the cost of housing for John, the cost of transport for John, the cost of health care for John, the cost of education is so high that John needs 10,000 to be able to survive. And here I am, I can afford 5,000. So what happens for me to pay John 10,000, then I employ John alone and not John and Peter. And so Peter doesn't have a job. So when we fix... So by, if I'm following your wonderful yeah. scientific analysis, you would say that your statistics proclaim that over the years, more Kenyans are being employed in this society from year to year. More Kenyans uh, they might not be making a fortune, but they're all getting jobs. And I would disagree with that. Maybe I'm going into Actually, different parts of Actually, you didn't understand what I said. No, maybe I didn't. Yeah, what I said... Mm. Why John and Peter don't have jobs in my company right. is because of cost the, of the, labor. The, 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 your so, initial workforce. Yes, it's because of the cost of labor. Right. So if we reduce the cost of labor, and I said that the things that we need to reduce yes. to make it easier are those the, having a, a proper, efficient public transport, having affordable housing, health, and uh, education. If we have that, then I can create jobs for John and Peter. But today I can only create a job, a job for John because what job needs to survive, John needs to survive, yes. is a lot more than, than you can offer. Than I can offer. So if you want me to create more jobs as a private sector, let's re- deal with these issues. And that's what we are calling for, for our, from our private sector side, social transformation. And we're putting a lot of investments on, on the social transformation saying, can we support you as government on the healthcare, universal healthcare? Can we support you on the affordable housing? It's good for us. I mean, for the economy, it's good for the country. It's also good for business because I want to have a healthy John working for me. I want to be able to know John hasn't had to go to hospital in I don't know how many kilometers and can't make it work because then there's a hospital there. So those things add up to what business is looking for. Again, I don't know if I'm breaking it down to well, basics. Well, I, I, you are, and I'm afraid, you know, our constraints are of time. I just, yeah. you know, want to get my shopping list uh, buzzwords <laughs> out there. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you maybe three or so minutes to respond yeah. again to what we're reading. I keep on saying, yeah. Wenzangu, mm-hmm. what we read in the papers, everything is, everybody's promising the earth to yeah. women. Wanawake <laughs> watafaidika. Uh, yeah. I dare say that should interest you as a woman. It does. Again, mm-hmm. uh, what, you know, we the African woman, the mother of society, Mama Zetu. What, yeah. what, where to? What are we going to do? Yeah, th- uh, for for women, mm-hmm. and I'm glad there's all those promises because, as you've said, if you feed and um, if you if you focus on a woman, you feed the society. Right. And so, if a woman can be able to access opportunities. You know, to be able to bring home food, then you'll have fed her children. And that environment has to be created in a way that it's safe for her, or first and foremost. Secondly, she can access the opportunity. Thirdly, that those opportunities she's able to access dignifies her. You know, it's so, just so on the ground, the, the yeah. Hustler Fund, yeah. if I declare myself to be a woman in the next three weeks, somebody in government is just going to give me a huge amount of money and say, go and set up a business. Ah, it's more complex than that. It's well, just make not, it simple for you the can, simple you man. You can't just give me money to go and set up a business. What do I know about setting up a business? First, create. Precisely. It. Yeah. So, so empty promises. The, there can be empty promises unless we anchor them in the foundations that are needed. So if it's a business that I need to go and start and you're telling me and I come to you and I say, I actually can't get produce from my farm and sell and you don't create for me a market and you want me to operate on the roadside, I can just do that to just get unga every day, but that's not a business and I'm not going to grow. So the first thing is to say, can we set up markets in the right places? Can we then also have one business license? This multiple licenses is what kills 
all businesses, big and small, and most the small businesses. So these multiple licenses with the counties, you know, by the time you transport your mangoes from Mombasa to sell them in Kisumu, every county you pass, they ask you for a levy. Then your mango is 30 shillings by the time it gets to Kisumu. Who's buying? You know, and you bought it for two, three shillings in Mombasa. So those multiple levies have to be removed for me to say I'm going to start a business. So I'm just talking basic business, even before I get to the big businesses. The same thing with the big businesses. If without, with the multiple levies within the counties, then you tell me my unga is 230 shillings. But because of the cost that I have had to incur to produce, makes it very hard for me to give it at 100 shillings. Thank you kindly. We have to stop again. Mwenzangu, onwards, onwards, and I remember I, I admitted to knowing next to nothing about all this. I'm going to look for my magic notebook and um, give you some buzzwords against which to play. Um, the idea of curbing inflation and existent interest rates. What do you have to say about that? And then, just to warn your mind, uh, we're talking about other pli- uh, uh, fuel, oil prices, drought, climate change, uh, the idea that uh, if you now go to a bank, uh, the Kenyan shilling, $1 is the equivalent of 130-odd uh, Kenyan shillings. Again, things are looking bad. Raw materials, access to credit, lots of all these buzzwords. But let's go to interest rates, taxation, etc. Taxation and interest rates. Um, You're right. The interest rates are high. And uh, they're not, we can't go back to curbing. Remember we tried that and put it to about 13, 14%. What happened? There was no credit that was accessible to the same people that needed to access the credits because then I can only lend to the people who I'm very, very sure will pay that credit. But you, Mama Mboga, and someone else, I'm not sure if I'll be able to get that work. So you have to leave it to the market and address other issues, not curbing the interest rate to a fixed rate because that doesn't work in a free market. So that's one. On the inflation, I think we've done pretty well. We're st- as I said, we're still on single digit, and like many single countries, digit, you said eight percent, which was nine. short of the ten percent in the <laughs> UK. Still, so it it's like, is. oh, eight percent, we're okay. But many countries oh. are in double digits, so we yeah. we need to be careful. We need to watch it, but it's not the interest rate that we we need to touch. If we touch the the that the in terms of taxes, we also need to look at taxes. It's not the taxes we reduce taxes so that what um what 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 you're paying in terms of taxes is what is reduced. It's the business taxes, you know, and that's where the raw materials come in, you know. Mwenzangu, again, uh uh, do explain, you know, we live in an economy where Mm -hmm. lots of people who could nominally be paying tax in Mm -hmm. so-called emerged countries Mm -hmm. uh, are busy probably making a fortune, making charcoal or gunny bags and nobody's the good old Juakali. So this is the idea, again, we're looking in the reality of the thing of uh, are, are you going to keep on uh, this idea of, of getting data on people who are making money. Somebody's listening to my show and said, oh, John Sibiokumu is doing capital. How much is he earning? Yeah. But what about my cousin who's running a Chang'a business in Busia South? And that's a big thing that uh, I know um, the widening of the tax bracket. Yes. Because that's a problem because I know where to find John in capital. Yes. But I don't know where to find your cousin. Yes. So that means Kerry but has to be very creative. And I, and then we've seen some things they've been trying. Yes. Even going to social media saying, ha ha, you're mm. showing your big house. Yes, let's which I've stopped doing. Let's come, more, yeah. Yeah, let's come and find you mm. and see if you're paying taxes. Or using PIN numbers and all that, you know, because there's so many, there's so much now you can't do without your PIN number. So if, if they can collect all, they have everyone's PIN numbers and find out who is where, who's doing what, you widen that tax bracket so that I'm not coming to capital and saying, I need to find a new, a new, ta- a new tax. You know, we're always finding new tax. Let's increase the excise duty for the manufacturers and, and all that because it's easy. It's easy money to collect than me finding the Chacobana who is making maybe twice as much as, um, twice as much. But it takes me back to that old part of, people being able to operate in a place you can find them. If they're operating on the roadside, that chakoban on the roadside, I'll never find them if I'm the text man. But if they're in a market, I will find them. And, and you see, it's not just finding them to tax them. I'm finding them to also help them. They need capital. They need to grow. They need information. 
actually I help them because they're in a place I can find them. But at the same time, they're able not to pay their taxes. I'm able to give them brackets of taxes. I think Kerry came up with simplified taxes. There's still, there's still some work that needs to be done in terms of simplifying it really good so that I can sit down and pay my taxes without thinking, oh, I need a tax man and I am Chakobana. I'm not, I don't have money to pay someone to help me with taxes. So very simple for everyone. But let's create locations where people operate in. Then makes it easier for Kerry, makes it easier for me, maybe who lends money to find these people and lend them money to grow their businesses, supplies, um, you know, social services. Sometimes I wonder, where do these people go even to the bathroom if they have a call? You know, what are we doing to the environment? So it's a cycle, you know, and so if we do that, so I'm very passionate about getting locations, getting markets for these people. But then going back to that issue of, um, of, uh, of, uh, of, of raw materials, the taxes on raw materials, if you're going to produce as a country, your raw materials cannot be higher than your imported goods. Then you'll always import. And then if I'm importing, that means I can set up a little office. So what about our poor flower, flower farmers, gosh, uh, uh, whatever they are, <laughs> f- flowers. Uh, what about the poor dears who are uh, expo- exporting to uh, countries, they're paying in euros, but they're asked to pay in dollars. And there's a yeah. disconnect between the two. The two, yeah. I, I mean, that's that's so, a challenge in we other face. Words, it's a yeah. global challenge. It's yes. not something we can address as a country right now because yes. of all the currencies, the only one that is getting stronger and stronger is the dollar against yes. every other currency. Yes. You've seen that even with it, it overtaking the euro right now and the, and the pound. So it's not something we can... The reason resolve. being because, is that something that you can explain to my auntie? Uh, okay, no, I'd too have to difficult. Turn. Yeah. He's too stupid. <laughs> it's a bit technical, but, but yeah, yeah. But okay. I think it's because also everything now has been tied to the dollar. Right. So and 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 the US trying to strengthen its economy and all that. So it's a long discussion, but yes. it's just a global thing that we are, that we're going through right now. So are all our uh, woes owed oh, to the Ukraine and a war that could go on for at least a year, I two, know, three, four. I know. So yeah. again, uh, yeah. we're, so we we're heading to, to perdition. We also have to. Hmm. I think what we also need to do as a country, now that we're done with elections, yes. move away from the campaign, big promises, and look at the reality of things and say, what do we need to resolve now that we can? And what do we need to explain to the people? What are the global challenges that we can ride together and find solutions and alternatives and not make it look like we can do everything today? Because it's a, for the first time in a long time, we have faced with almost equal equal issues, equal problems, global and local. Many times we have more local than maybe one or two global. This time it's different. We have a lot of global challenges. That uh, I read an article the other day from on Bloomberg where we saw Americans like moving back home, immigrating back to Europe, Italy, and other places because the cost of living is so much higher in the U- in the U.S. that they can't afford. You know. So and I think those are not the conversations we are having with your mother, my auntie, my who, you know, that they need to understand some of the challenges and start saying, okay, let me not think rain will just come tomorrow. These are the, How do I tighten my belt and do things a bit different because of what's happening outside my control? It's not a conversation we're having as a country, which I hope we can have. Well, uh, yeah. I think at this point, if, if I were a very genteel host, I'd offer you another glass of health-giving water and... Um, move to a slightly more sensitive area, sensitivity area, and that is the control of the business environment. Again, I'm a Kenyan of a generation where at some point we turned on a certain section of our community and said, Asians must go. And Idi Amin said, Asians must go. Now we're talking about the idea of ownership of the economy And again, you'll hear that we, uh, our leaders, are selling us to uh, foreigners. So in the interest of time, uh, Kenya will not belong to Kenyans. It will belong to the Chinese. It will belong to the Turks. It will belong to the Egyptians. Is this a topic that's got to be swept under the rug and never be brought up in a public place? You can always say, I don't know, but that is the fear. (laughs) The construction industry, the import industry, is not being run by Abdullahi and Kamau and Oginga, it's being run by, well, you make up the names. (laughs) 
you know, I, I hear that conversation often. But it's a sensitive one. It's if, a if, sensitive if it's one, like, like you know, if you were yeah. a kid, if you had a kid, you know, yeah. it's a bit like that story about yeah. how the dog ended up being the friend of man. It came <laughs> in one day against the cold, <laughs> the next stayed. day to whatever, and by the time they'd finished, it was yeah. sort of like you know, yeah. it, uh, <laughs> there forever. Yeah. But it is true from what we see the co- the construction. I, th- I think the c- the conversation has been turned around mm. for whatever reason, because. Well, you're wearing an African shirt. Others that I've che- I'd have told you to check where it's made from. Yes. Well, uh, it will be made from yeah. Turkey. I've got some made in Turkey. Exactly. It's the Africana collection. Yeah. And, um, Very nice. And many times when, when you go and buy that shirt, where do you find it? Do you buy it in Turkey? No. Where do you buy it? Uh, right next to me in a mm. sort of stall. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But that same shirt, if you went to the UK, to the US, you'll find it. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. So this thing that um, no, but I'm setting you up. I'm setting you up because I'm setting you up because I want I yeah. want the new government to yeah. say, yeah. don't wear that shirt. <laughs> yes. Do the old um, yes. Thomas Sankara. Let's you know the Mahatma Gandhi. Let's make our own cotton wool. But by extension, nothing from the outside. Uh, no mitumba, so that we can make our own clothes. Uh, no messing about with border border not just duplicate them so that, you know, they can vote for us. But these guys are running, they're whizzing along. Uh, discipline, draconian measures to for draconian times. We have to go back. We have to go to production. That's for sure. And I think I said that, you know, by making sure what we produce, we can process. You can put high taxes on raw materials in terms of whether it's your cotton and all, and make it hard for me to produce cotton if I can't get the fertilizers, the land, the land process of getting even a title deed is impossible yeah, and all you, that. You, you've de- de- deviated so my question. I, I talked about deviating. the um, role of the outsider, so the control. I am, I am, Let me tell you something, in uh, Wenzang, in my travels, yeah. when I hit Europe, yeah. when I hit America, yeah. the very first thing that comes to mind yeah. is that I do not belong and I'm a foreigner. Yeah. I think by the same token, we make our country very welcoming to the outsider to the point where there is a level of sort of social abuse. Uh, don't come in here if you walk into this. Do we read the same newspapers or are you we not do ba- read ba- the newspapers, it, yeah. but you know, so see, I was I'm going to go into the production on the, on the clothes side, then I tell you on the construction side. Sorry, and I, I why, do forgive me. And why? Do so forgive I, me. You've got a good four welcome. minutes. We've got a good four <laughs> minutes before we take much. our final break. So I went to the to the raw materials first. I said, if we're going to produce those things you're talking about, mm. we have to address those costs. If we don't address those costs, we ca- we can't just make statements about them. When it comes to construction, who is constructing for the whole for the world? No, you have to answer your own question now because yeah. I, I was rude by interrupting. I know, yes. but uh, construction, mm. we, we have to say Chinese have an edge on construction, but how are we making sure there's And they're no building a huge uh, highway that's going they, to... And, they have and they've do, got a 50-year plan. And they're constructing that for everyone else around the world. It's not a Kenyan problem, it's not an African problem. But the problem is when, if they come and do construction, what there are four, there are four things. One, the cost of it and the cost of borrowing that we've, we've made of, of that money. Secondly, knowledge transfer. So we've built a beautiful railway between Nairobi and Mombasa. And all so our th- kids who've got PhDs in, uh, in structural engineering have been wasting our time and, and our thousands and exactly, of US dollars. As long as they're included in that. And I'm, and it's so glad, I'm glad now, taking the, the, the train the other day and just seeing it's being operated by fully Kenyans. You can see there's been some knowledge transfer. But on the construction of it, that that goes on. So that by the time we're getting to Congo, Kenyans are part of that construction. You know, it's not so much. So it's a knowledge transfer thing because they are, they are a step ahead. So do we wait until we go and land construction somewhere so that we can construct? We've been waiting for 50 years to really have infrastructure as Africa. And if you can see, it's like African presence, and of course they sit together at AU, got together and agreed it's about time. It's about time we moved and, 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 uh, and really built our infrastructure. And they've gone to the people who they know can build different infrastructure. And we're working with different countries. So when you go to the construction industry, Chinese have an edge. And so everyone is working with China. But how are you working with China? You know, how are you making sure your projects are, are put together in a way that it doesn't drain all your revenue and going by priority of infrastructure, the right cost and all that, so that you're also not having the corruption and all that. So that's important and the knowledge transfer. But secondly, then you go to the next area, IT. Look at our innovations and everything. And why do, why do you think today Microsoft, Google, 
IBM, everyone is basing their office here because of that innovation culture and, and, and a digital world that Kenyans are. So we are building our own that today will build the Googles of the next world. Who built China? China was built by those same foreigners, the European companies and the American companies. But who is building the world? Chinese took that knowledge and now are able to take it somewhere else. So what we should be saying, come you all, but we shall take your knowledge, learn, and be able to, to, to build the, the next Kenya and the next Africa and the next parts of the world. Time enough now for our last break. Zangu, we're back and uh, we're still philosophizing. I, I will draw you, maybe I made it too complicated, a question to elaborate. Are we mm-hmm. legislating so that ultimately mm-hmm. we are in control of our economy? Yeah. In other words, when in Kenya, don't do this. When in Kenya, don't mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. Now, if your organization, and you're going to reveal it, again, we see nasty pictures of effluent going daily into Lake yeah. Victoria. Uh, the, Nairo- the, the wonderful the Kikuyu forest of pre-independence days and, you know, the streams that, you know, people, Wangare Madai write about in her. Or, they're all polluted. And there's, you know, plastic bobbing up and down. Are we legislating to make that happen? As you've just told us, you're allowing outsiders to have a a go for us to learn. They're teaching us how to ruin our environment. (laughs) Well, let me correct that so it doesn't look like we're saying only foreigners can do that. Remember, we have a policy called the Buy Kenya, Build Kenya. You know, part of it is encouraging ourselves, you and I, to buy what we are wearing today so that we continue to build. So we're only saying the areas that where we need investors because of the jobs to get knowledge transfers that we build, then they are welcome here because no country does without investors or foreign investors. No one in the world does that. But then it's what we do. There's 30% local content. So if you're a foreigner and you come here, we expect you as Talo, as Bechtel and everyone else, that 30% of your content in terms of employment, in terms of supplies, will be from Kenya, you know, so that 30 to 40%, so that you're not bringing everything into the country. And if I had time, I'd, I'd have given you a very good example on what we did with the, with the SGR on something to do with cement and, and all that, but that's a discussion for another day. But that's the whole idea. So and I'll save my cynicism in saying <laughs> we made, perhaps we made a mistake in building the SGR as it is. Yeah. So, okay, one yeah. all, do yeah. continue. Yeah, so so there's a buy Kenya, build Kenya policy so that we're encouraging more and more. And that's why I, I talked about the taxes. If we sort out the taxes, more Ken- we'll have more products for Kenya. Then you've, we've raised a very good question on the environment. And yes, is there a policy? Yes, we have very elaborate, very vibrant uh, policies for environment, which I'm glad as you said, business has been part of that. So it's not new. It's not something that we've that uh, business has watched the government do out there. It's business has been part of that. Um, and then uh, I think business in Kenya is the first one in Africa running what we call a plastic pact. You know, their whole idea of the single-use plastics, the collection, the recycling, and the whole big thing that uh, the, the big policy on blue economy, how do we make utilize blue economy in terms of investments, but we have to preserve and ensure that our fish and, um, and our sea life is, is protected. That's a, ho- that's a whole thing is there and it's being done. Do we still have a problem? Yes, enforcement. And this is where the regulators come in. And I think my challenge has is, is a challenge. To and the, the new the government and, and their the new, competitors and, and everybody said and this is yeah. going to be the era of the fight against corruption. Yeah, I will mm. touch on that. So regulators, yes. first of all, it's you're not the police for business. You're not the police for Carol and John and, and, and everyone else. You're there to help make sure things are being run well. So don't go to John who gives you a little shilling so that you can push some affluent into the into the river yes. and ensure that it's done well. And there is education. Part of our problem with the regulators is that they go in as police without education. First educate the public why they shouldn't litter, why they shouldn't do this, then enforce. Don't go in and say, from tomorrow it will be a thousand shillings to litter. No, it doesn't work like that. I don't know why I shouldn't litter. We're just assuming people know why the impact is. And make it simple. As you're saying, this conversation needs to be so simple that everyone understands the impact. Then you've raised a very good question on corruption. You know, and tying 
It's something I say that we need to understand cause and effect. If you ask the average Kenyan, does corruption affect your price of unga? They tell you no. They don't understand if they if this money is stolen here, the impact it has on my cost of unga. If money is stolen that was to build this road or this road is inflated 10 times over 100 more that that money will be paid whether it was locally it was local revenue that local revenue that was to go to a hospital then it's not there if it was a debt then you pay five times the debt that you shouldn't have paid cause and effect is where for me i think there's a disconnect on corruption and so to the new government it's first i'll get kenyans to understand the cause and effect that if any government official or any Kenyan does this towards corruption, this is the effect. That's why you go to a hospital and there's no medicine because there was no money because it was stolen somewhere else. But you go to hospital and say, you know, this hospital never has medicine. But you're not connecting when that person who you chose as a leader came and put a, ma- a big mansion, that that's the money they used of your, of your hospital bill or your educa- of the education of your children. So cause and effect, I think, is the biggest lesson that I think if I was the current new government, I would take up and make it almost a study and really draw a PR campaign for every Kenyan to understand that and wh- what they should be watching for and why. And even when they ask for things, you know, they see a Mweshimiwa, they say, no, Mweshimiwa, tunataka barabara, tunataka nini, tunataka nini. But they don't ask where does that money come from. So when that Mweshimiwa goes back to parliament and says, we have to have this money, and Treasury says, okay, then we have to borrow. They don't complain about borrowing. So cause and effect is so important. So we, we talk about borrowing and then we say, okay, then we are willing to borrow because we need these things. Then what is the cost of borrowing? High, what is the cost of that, of, of the, of that project and how it affects my hunger, my education, my transport and everything else that I need? I think... Uh, towards the end, uh, I, and before you reveal yourself, and then we we end on that note, um, the idea of prioritization, and again, I'm being spoon-fed, admittedly, by my friends and relatives, who said, when that um, um, powerful lady, referring to you, comes into your studio, the idea of prioritization of business, and they said, it's things that have social benefit, and this was the example that was given. The example was, let's assume that we want to create a factory that produces sanitary towels for girls so if a uh, young lady can't go to school uh, broke in other words mm. you're doing things for social benefit mm. which might not be d- d- obey the rules of the profit margin mm-hmm. so uh, again a lot of foreign governments come here maybe well, i won't name them so as to give them free publicity but they will say we will build mm. ablution centers in mm. so many areas mm. but this is we as a government, mm. we as a new government, and mm. with this new momentum, mm. great promises. Mm. What's the prioritization index? Who's going to make sure that every young girl in a far-flung part of Kenya goes mm. to school because they've got sanitary pads? That's true. And, 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 and businesses do do social investments. And it's actually not called right, CSR. It's actually social investments. Right. You know, and that's a big... They never a, told me how really. to summarize it. If only they'd have said that. <laughs> yeah, it's social social investments. investments. It's social okay. investments. So you do make something to keep you sustained. Yes. But basically your focus yes. is the impact on the community. As yes. we talked about sanitary towels. Mm. And, and then in the bad old days, I, there was a term corporate social responsibility. Yeah, that... You know why businesses moved away a lot mm. from that? Because mm. it was more of a feel good. So mm. there was no sustainability. Right. Yeah. So we came and we gave sanitary towels to this school. Yes. Uh, on Christmas Day yes. or end of school year. And we felt good and we were gone. So what happens next year? But social investments bring sustainability to it. You know, so that we're going to be producing at a minimal cost because this is what we want to improve in this, in, in this community. But I also see a, a big... Uh, business and and this is to the new administration is to really create that enabling environment opportunities for businesses to move closer to the communities to the counties because that's where jobs are and what you'll be doing is what we would call um urban rural migration instead of rural mad urban migration we don't want to keep filling this city it has only so much capacity but if the factories, you know, when you say that i'll yeah. tell you the other comment that's been made yeah. is that if only with this new dispensation yeah. with the idea of devolved government yeah. uh, if more power were devolved to the counties yeah. 
then people, it would be up to you as yeah. the governor of your constituency. Yeah. And over time, this yeah. winner-takes-all, uh, blood-on-the-streets mm. uh, preoccupation yeah. Yeah. with the presidency would die down yeah. because... Uh, uh, in a in a way, the president or whoever's at the apex will yeah. become a, f- a figurehead, making nice speeches That's abroad. True. That's true. Right. So I, I just yeah. I just compound what you're saying. Yeah, it's true. And I think I think I'd I'd I'd, I'd even go further and say we could start with what we'd call an industry per constituency. Right. So that uh, you look at that constituency and say what what well, is the comparative manifestos. Yeah. Um, I'm sure maybe it'll be you know yeah. basically everybody had something to offer. You have something to offer. Do you produce mangoes? Do you do this? You know. Then we put that industry there, and so the jobs come from there. People don't have to move elsewhere to come to come in. So that that again, again I think would be a good thing for this current administration to look at and and say you know what let's start with an industry per constituency where there's a lot of raw materials, resources and all that, we can do more. But that goes back to the governors. You know, it's just not the, the administration in Nairobi. You know, it goes back to the governors to really look at the resources they have. And I can tell you something. In 2013, in, after the first group of the, of the new governors came, they were charged and all had what they called um, county business investments. And they showcased the resources and the opportunities in the counties. The idea of this current crop of governors. The third group is now to move that to real investments and not just showcase. Business is tired of just coming to a county and seeing all the opportunities and then can't access those opportunities. You know, they want to say, okay, we already know because you showcased them in 2013, 2014. Now we're ready for business and business will do. And if the administration and government understood that business is your solution for jobs and revenue, They'll do anything to make that happen. Drum roll. Who are you? <laughs> My name is Karo Kayuki, the CEO of Kenya Private Sector Alliance. Or KEPSA. Yes. Now, normally, I'm yeah. going to be very kind. Normally, I don't allow anybody to come and sort of self-publicize. But in your instance, this is a national body. Yeah. So I I would like to give you more time than most to tell you what KEPSA does and has done supposedly under your wise leadership? We've, oh, yeah, I hope I had the whole day to say something. But we're about 18 years old now. Our biggest work is around public-private dialogue. And that's why you, ca- you can see I know the policies that are in government and the things we've done because we work very closely with government. We do roundtables, what we call the presidential roundtables, and that's really to look at, now for, like now, for example, with a new administration, we'll be taking what we have as the Vision 2030, what is remaining of Vision 2030, look at those, some of those aspirations, look at our own economic manifesto that we, we, we presented, then the manifestos of the, of the different uh, political parties, and then we create that and we call a national business agenda. And that's what we engage the new administration. And I'll give you a good example. In 2013 and 2022, our focus was ease of doing business. And Kenya was able to move from 136 in the World Bank ease of doing business to 56. And our focus was to get to top 50 by 2020 and we got to 56 by yeah th- well by again um, uh, give me restaurant talk water I drinking they say that I Rwanda's uh, <laughs> <laughs> easier you know we've had all this yeah, time yeah and once yeah. you do that then mm-hmm. now you start looking at the crack of matter cost of doing business once you've dealt with ease of doing business yes. it's where you're reducing numbers of how many days can you register a business yes. how many I mean ease of paying your taxes and all that then now you go to the cost and that's what we'll be focusing a lot because our competitiveness is hedged on cost. Anyone will do business where the costs are are, are, um, are easier. So that's a big thing for us in terms of uh, public-private dialogue. The second area, if you'll allow me, it's environment, climate change. You know, we're big on climate change because we know there's no way business will operate. There's no way a country will survive without climate change, you know, without us dealing with the, with the effects of climate change. So we're really, really big on climate change. And lastly is youth and jobs and women in, in, in leadership and empowerment. So we are running quite a lot of programs around and women. No, that's the third one. I'll say the fourth. We, uh, youth, you've heard about Ajira, which is online, digital, and digitally enabled jobs. That's a big, big program that we're doing. And then SMEs. And we have identified the six areas of SMEs and tackling one at a time. And so those are some of the areas that we have focused over the last 18 years and moving on. And hopefully that with this new administration, we'll, 
will uh, intensify in some of those areas. Again, uh, especially for you, mm-hmm. is there a minute for you to call upon me, mm-hmm. the 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 one inch in the street? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is there a role I can do as a citizen to enhance and enable the business environment? Yes, one because. Minute. Because Kenya cannot be built by one person. Kenya is all of us. We all have to play our role. So what business are you doing? Where are you working? Do it at your level best. You know, follow the laws, the rules. If you're not supposed to litter, don't litter. Don't, you know, if, if you're, you know, produce, be productive. Let us know where the challenges are as, as KEPSA so that we can help you. If you're, you're starting a business, if you're trying to grow your business, that's where we exist. Our work is to make sure that that micro-enterprise will be the Microsoft of tomorrow. We have to stop there. Okay. Do continue to give us feedback, hopefully positive and reassuring, on the Twitter handle at Capital FM Kenya or drop us a text on WhatsApp message on 0701-984-984. I've been talking to business executive and social change activist by the sound of her carol (laughs) kariuki ceo of the kenya private sector alliance or kepsa and you've been listening to john sibiokumu on wednesday thank you once again for doing that until next time Little FM.